Amen. God is so good. Um, and it is wonderful to be celebrating the goodness of God this mission weekend and what it means to be part of his mission. Amen. Amen. Huh, so this morning we're just going to reflect um, on those two stories that we've heard found in John and 1 Kings. And think about cakes and water containers. And I hope go from here just encouraged by the hope that we have in God and just excited um, about his invitation to us to take those steps of faith and join in the transforming work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Now, who likes pineapple upside down cake? Okay, good. Try some afterwards. But I have my pineapple upside down cake here. Um, I also love visual aids that you can eat. Um, But what we've got here, what we're talking about is what happens that when that, that unexpected, delightful surprise when things are turned upside down. So something hidden, something that's been covered up, something maybe you thought lost, maybe something even shamed. But when things are turned upside down, here we go. When things are turned upside down, it's suddenly seen in all its glory. Transformation. Moment of truth. Ha ha. Pineapple upside down cake. Here we see nice cherries and pineapple. So, oh, I'm all sticky now. Um, If we could just go to the PowerPoint. Thank you. So let me just give a little bit of background um, to when I first reflected on transformation through cakes. Um, As many of you know, our family lived for many years serving with the church in Tanzania. And for some of that time, we lived in a very small, very rural, remote village um, called Magosi. Next slide, a picture of Magosi here. Um, And it was here that we learned a whole new language, Uh, We learned a whole new way of life and learned so much through that and have been incredibly enriched by that. Um, No running water, no electricity. Uh, Life was always very unexpected. Okay, you never, there was often that feeling of not quite understanding what was going on around you. Um, Maybe never quite knowing what might happen next. Uh, Never completely knowing what you might end up doing or eating. Um, I remember a friend had sent in the post a little sachet, you know, a little food sachets of sweet and sour mix. And um, I remember as I was cooking supper, um, thinking, oh, I'm sure my friend never expected, I certainly never expected, that with this little sachet, we'd be cooking sweet and sour elephant with our rice. And then we had, a, we had some friends, some, uh, some visitors arrive in our village one day, and um, they arrived, it was, it was in the afternoon, um, and I knew I needed to give them food, offer them real good African hospitality, and I was panicking a little bit. Um, so we're, it's, you know, it's always 30 degrees there, it's hot, we've got no fridges, um, we've you know, got a dirt floor, we haven't got Tupperware pots. Um, so you live a bit day to day in terms of ingredients. Um, and I had my bag of rice and I had a bag of uncooked beans. Beans take a very long time to cook. Um, and, I, and my friend saw that I was a bit anxious and said, don't worry, I'll bring chicken. Oh, yes, okay. Um, I'll cook some rice. Um, so, but then 20 minutes later, my friend runs back and presents me 
in my arms with this clucking feathery chicken. Um, uh, so this is really cooking from scratch. Um, but we learned, we learned, and we grew through that, and, we, um, and it was exciting, it was fun. Um, but this reflection really begins when about seven women arrived on my doorstep and they asked me to teach them how to make wedding cakes. If we can go to the next slide. This is my kitchen. <laughs> this is my stove. And there's a Misadai cooking lunch. Um, at the time, we were, we were starting a fuel-efficient stoves project um, as, as working with this church um, in community outreach in this village. We were teaching people how to make and sell and use these these GECOs, these, these fuel-efficient stoves made out of local clay. And with this, we were doing some teaching on nutrition, new nutritional gardens. I was demonstrating efficient cooking and how we can cook using less firewood. Obviously, the, the trees are being cut down at excessive rates. There's, people are going, the girls are going farther to get firewood. Um, we were using hay baskets to cook rice and beans. And I've been cooking on these GECOs for, for a while now in the village. Um, just outside where people can walk by and see. Been cooking local food. If any of you were here last night, you might have tried some uji, some Tanzanian uji. There, it's me cooking my uji. Um, so, and I'd also, actually, next slide, I taught some of the women um, how to make some bread um, using, using the Jiko. And, and people were getting interested and excited about these, these stoves. But wedding cakes, oh, that's a whole other thing. Um, so I thought, I need to learn how to make a wedding cake. So I did call my mom. <laughs> and we started with a basic English sponge, okay? But there's no Sainsbury's. There's not even a Tesco Express. Um, we had very limited ingredients. Um, extremely vague, unprecise means of measuring. Um, I needed to figure out a cooking time. Um, and I had very little control over temperature. So I knew I needed to practice. And this was when everything started going a bit pear-shaped. Seemed all a bit the wrong way up. Uh, we had a difficult few weeks, and there was various challenges that were going on. Um, and in the midst of all that was going on, I tried to make, have some practice attempts at my cakes. So the first one, I uh, didn't get the fire going well enough, and it was this sort of disaster of uncooked goo. Um, the fire went out, and I was left with darkness descending. There was no power. There was no water to wash my sorry, black, smoky self. Um, I was a bit discouraged, but I will try again. So, yeah, so adjusted the volume of the batter, try and get a bit less cake in the, in the tin, um, put a bit more wood in the fire, get a, make it a bit stronger for a bit longer. And... Yeah, it totally burned. It was black. So again, and that, and that night I came down sick. And for the next three days, I was, I was in bed with this bug. And it was lying in bed um, that I began to think about cakes, particularly the kind that for centuries have been cooked upside down in a skillet on an open fire. And it led to other thoughts. Jesus. Now, wasn't Jesus first hidden um, in very small beginnings, in a mucky, dirty stable, and then in a very small, insignificant town, in a poor carpenter's family. How upside down does God's plan seem to us here? But then I was reading in John, uh, and we read this story about the wedding in Cana. And this is when things really started to turn upside down. 
Um, just think about this story. It starts on the third day. Remember that. Does that ring any bells? On the third day, this wedding took place. And Jesus' mother was there. The disciples had been invited. The wine runs out. Oh, they have no more wine. So what did, what did Mary say to the servants? She said, do whatever he tells you. Can we hear that this morning? Do whatever he tells you. Now nearby there were those six stone water jars, the kind used for ceremonial washing. And they each held about 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said, fill those jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, take some to the master of the banquet. So they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who'd drawn the wine, they knew. Um, then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now first just think about the water. Six stone jars with 20 to 30 gallons of wine. That's 120 to 180 gallons. So Jesus just made a, over a thousand bottles of wine. Um, think about it, 680 liters. Now in this village in Magosi, um, you can see on the picture there, we've got these 20 liter buckets. And that's what we would take every day to fill up our water. That's what, actually the one you saw on Louise's head wasn't 20 liters, by the way, that was just a little bucket because she was only five. <laughs> but yeah, 20 liter buckets. Um, so we've got 34 of these 20 liter buckets um, that the servants, we don't know how many servants there were. We don't know how far they had to go to fetch the water. But they must have been wondering, no? They must have been thinking, what, why? But then not just that, how confident would you be as a servant offering drinks from jugs that you've just filled with water and pouring that into your master's wine glass at this you know, very public event? But yet the unexpected and the delightful surprise when turned upside down, was that water had turned into wine. And not just any old wine, but really fine wine. Transformed. And what a sign of transformation. On this third day, this new creation is bursting in. Things are being turned upside down. All that is sad is about to become untrue. Here is a sign of hope. A sign that is looking forward to another third day when death will be forever transformed to life. Now, let's go to the next slide and think about the next story, about this cake and Elijah. So, we're in a famine, um, and the Lord's word came to Elijah. He told him to go to Zarephath, so he went. Um, and there he met this widow. Please give me a little water in a cup so I could take a drink. As she went to get it, he called out to her, oh, please bring me some cake as well. And she says, I have no food except a handful of flour in a jar. I have just a little olive oil in a jug. Right now I'm just going to gather a few, some sticks to light my fire, and then I'm going to cook my last meal for my son. After that, we will die. Elijah says to her, don't be afraid, 
Don't be afraid. Go and do as you planned, but first make me a small cake. Bring it to me. Then make something for your son and yourself. For this is what the Lord God of Israel has said. The jar of flour will not be empty. The jar of oil will not run out until the day the Lord makes it rain. So she went and did as Elijah told her. So this widow at Zarephath, she makes this cake or bread, much like what Mama Lucy's making here on our stove, uh, like a shapati, I'm sure it was something like that on the fire. She listened to the word of the Lord. She made the cake first for Elijah and then for herself. And then the unexpected happens. Okay, that she tips that jug of oil, that jar of flour, and they do not run out. And this miraculous story is not just about providing food for people in need, although it did, but it's again, it's a sign of hope. It's pointing to the new creation, life over death. It's like another third day event. Um, For the people of Magosi, where we were living, to many it seemed like things were running out. The stoves project that we were working on was addressing the need for for firewood running out. Uh, Often the water ran out. In Cana, the wine ran out. For the widow of Zarephath, the flour ran out, the oil was running out. Life itself was about to run out. It's pretty bleak, isn't it? No flour, no oil, no firewood, no wine, no life. These stories, they they range from, from a disgrace, what we see at this wedding with the wine running out, the disgrace of that, the shame of that, to utter despair that this woman must have been feeling in Zarephath. And from living in Magosi, I felt I could understand a bit better than I had maybe before, that disgrace of not having enough food, crops dying, not having enough food, living with little, surviving with just a little bag of flour, a little, little bit of oil. But in both Zarephath and Cana, it was the presence of the God of Elijah, the presence of Jesus, the Son of God, that makes all the difference. So this isn't just about food handouts and free wine, that doesn't give real hope, but this goes so much deeper, this goes to the heart of mission, where there's no longer disgrace or despair or certain death, but things are being turned upside down, bringing amazement, hope, life, transformation. If it's true in Zarephath and it's true in Cana, would the God of Elijah, would Jesus be present with us in Magosi? Would he be present with the people of Coombe Down? Would he be present in Fox Hill? By his spirit, will he be present with you in whatever it is, that, that situation that you're in? Can he bring about a transformation? Yes. Amen? Can I hear a yes? <laughs> Amen. And let's, before I start to wrap things up, if we could just go to the next slide, because I do have to finish my cake story. That is my relieved smile when the cakes turned out all right, no pun intended. So we did make the cakes. Next slide. Here we are. We had a little session, invited the women round, and they all learned how to make wedding cakes. Uh, Well, we all learned together. Um, There we are cooking the cake. And yeah, and then there's Louisa first up to enjoy with all the other kids eating the cake. Yeah, and there's life in that. And I think being part of the mission of God, it always involves food in some way, I think. It has to. And that's a marvelous way of bringing the mission of God to to, to life, really, isn't it? 
But the water is there. It's ready to be poured out as wine. Lives are ready to be changed by it. But are we prepared to be turned upside down? Can we pour out of ourselves knowing that God will change and fill us? And if we pour out from ourselves and not from what God fills us with, our work will be in vain and, and we will struggle, grow weary, get frustrated. Um, and I know this in my head and I'm still learning this. But in serving Christ, we just have to offer him our lives, our emptiness, um, our despair, our incapabilities, and in him find true joy and find a fullness, a fullness of life and a fruitfulness for the kingdom of God. And I think often we think, oh, this, this wasn't the plan, or this is hopeless, this is impossible, it's not worth it. And somebody actually said to me last week, um, don't bother, she's not worth it. She's not worth it. Ah, and it really hit me. I was like, no, she is worth it. That one widow was worth it. I was worth it. You were worth it. The, the five girls that are living in the Hope Into Action house, they're worth it. And yes, things can seem really messy. And yeah, you should have seen my kitchen when I was making the cakes. It gets messy. Working in situations that seem so upside down, with, with people that are broken and struggling, it's hard. Mission is hard. We do get dirty. We get very dirty sometimes, and we can get hurt. But it's only through being turned upside down, or should that be right side up, that it does all turn out all right for the glory of God. And our whole world is upside down. And we don't need to look very far to see that. But we have a God who's turning that upside down. And looking about us, beyond my little woes of bad cakes, we see terrible hardship. We see challenges that people are facing. And often it is hard to see things from that other way up perspective. But if we can just keep the finished cake in mind, we can keep cooking. If I can just encourage you to remember that what is laid down humbly at the bottom will turn out for his glory. God will take just our smallest jar of plain flour, something as simple as water, and pour that out as blessing. And we're talking about ordinary jars, ordinary clay stoves, and, and in Magosi, as we made those clay stoves, people in the village would walk by, they'd mock us, they'd laugh at us for playing in the dirt. Um, but through all the struggles and, and, and feelings of helplessness, feeling out of your comfort zone, like today, um, you just have to act in obedience and trust that Jesus will do the rest. Jesus will somehow transform things so that people see the glory of God, so that people will believe. And we don't need to worry. We don't need to worry that what we have is not enough, like for that widow in Zarephath. It just doesn't have enough. We don't need to worry um, that it's not good enough. So for that, that, that wine, for the wedding, we don't need to worry that it's not good enough. Jesus does that bit. Um, we don't need to feel like we're too young or too old. Sometimes we may think, oh, is it worth it? Sometimes we may just feel really, really uncomfortable. But he is with us. 
And God is at work. He's ushering in this new kingdom. And he's doing it through us, his church. And this is the exciting bit. Um, and if you want to, to read a good book about it, you can read Tim's book, Transforming Church, um, which has some stories from our time in, Uganda, um, in Tanzania. Um, and also, it's a call for churches to join in with what God is doing. Now, God's way doesn't fit our worldly ideas of organization, often, our ideas of what's efficient, um, or meeting human expectation, but we are not looking at the cake the right way up, okay? We're seeing things upside down, but God wants us to don our aprons, put on our aprons, and work with him, and that's what mission is all about. Let's work with him. He invites us He wants us to be part of the transformation that he has planned for the people that he's placed around us. And this could quite literally be making a cake for someone. It could mean cooking a meal, inviting someone for a meal, to share a meal. It could be sharing a drink after work with someone who's struggling. It could be pouring out a cup of tea for somebody who needs to know God's love that day. It could be pouring out your heart in prayer on behalf of those who don't know him or on behalf of people who are struggling or Christians on the front lines. It could be many things. And think about what is God telling you to do? But be prepared to be turned upside down. This could be your schedule that gets turned upside down. It could be, could be your money purse that gets turned upside down. It could be your comfort zone. But be encouraged that by doing what he tells you to do, we are taking the hope of the kingdom of God into a struggling and broken world. And we will see the glory of God revealed in order that people might believe. So can I just encourage you this morning to, to take whatever small step you need to to hear what what the Holy Spirit is saying to you to do and do as he tells you. Um, It just takes faith to make this cake. Amen. Should we just pray? Is that okay? Maybe we could just take a, a minute just in silence. Is that all right? We have time just to hear God, hear his spirit. What's he saying to you? And then I'll just close in prayer. Father, I just pray that you would speak to us by your spirit. Ignite within us a passion, Lord, for for your glory. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing all over the world, transforming that which has been chaotic and broken um, into something that glorifies your name. Lord, we want to be part of it. We thank you for your invitation, and we pray that you would help us to step out in faith and obedience to do what you are calling us to do. In the name of Jesus, amen.